0: So um, thank you very much. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, the run research into the riots, um, the Right Round Tables Projects. it was developed to inform the national public policy debate by bringing together community activists, researchers, r- representatives of civil society, local statutory agencies, <laughs> to find out what happened, why it happened. And um, in particular, we wanted to find out the role that race played in the riots, if any. Um, the roundtables were held in Birmingham, Bradford, Coventry, Croydon, Lewisham, and Westminster. And <clears throat> we, we trained some young people to work as peer to peer researchers, so they kind of went out and talked to their peers and um, asked the same questions that we were asking everyone. We also um, interviewed um, people, just the general public, in hairdressers um, and community kind of hub spaces. And what we found that was that without a doubt, the disturbances emerged and developed from particular contexts, local contexts, but there were dis- discernible patterns. The disturbances in each of the areas we visited shared some characteristics. Um, the research participants spoke of community tensions with police, um, a general rebelliousness among disaffected young people, and also, um, Criminal opportunism. Um, but we also heard various examples of race, racial injustice and racial inequality. And what emerged from the Right Roundtables project is that racial injustice can be seen to be a significant factor in the civil unrest of 2011. Now, our research looks at race quite generally, so our discussions during the roundtables um, brought up issues about all ethnicities. However, we do understand that the nuances and contentions around the definition of black African across various countries um, in Europe, for example, does that definition include brown people from Somalia or Ethiopia? And you know, often these variations on these definitions um, are in the eyes of the beholder. They're shaped by the localities, prevailing understandings and subjectivities, um, which reflect the, reflect the particular histories of the nations and the cities that, um, that these de- definitions come from. Um, but as, as we all probably know, you know, Britain introduced race into the census in, in 1991, and a category for, for black people is divided into black African, black Caribbean, black other, and so on. And I will focus um, this presentation um, on our research findings, particularly for black people. And by that, I'm referring to black Africans as well as black Caribbeans. So um, if we start by looking at who's arrested um, for their involvement in the riots, and being arrested is different than being actually participating in the riots. Um, What we can see here in the stat is that black people were um, arrested a lot more than um, the regional um, population, but not only that, um, a lot more than any other ethnicity there. So, um, as I said, being arrested is a lot different than actually being involved in the in the in the riots, and I don't want to say that more black people were involved in the riots. But there's a, a slight difference there in in, in that stat, but um, um, I just wanted to show you that because I think that's quite quite revealing. Because one of the key findings from our research is that strange relationships between the police and the being community was a significant factor in the outbreak of the riots. And, participants felt that the death of Mark Duggan and the miscommunication with the Duggan family was a significant trigger, and this incident awakened memories of black people's experience of injustices in the criminal justice system, and roundtable participants made reference to Smiley Culture, Cynthia Jarrett, Roger Sylvester, Joy Garner, who were all members of the African and um, Caribbean community that died in suspicious circumstances at the hands of the police. And this kind of brings me onto the parallels um, between the riots in England in 2011 and (coughs) France in 2005. And this is just a picture of of, uh, English police and French police. Um, But racial profiling by the police theoretically doesn't exist in France. However, stop and search appears to be factors in the initial spark of the riots in both France and England. And research has shown that there are unwarranted stops and searches by the police of young people typically those of North African and West African origins. Um, and, you know, the French neutral mo- model has been far more an ideal than an empirical model. colorblind in theory, but race-coded in practice. I mean, I'm sure many of you know more about this than I do. But um, black young people in the UK and France, it seems, have learned to run away from the police rather than run to the police when their need help. Um, furthermore, in terms of um, similarities, in France and in the UK, the, the political and media elites seemed to both rush to demonise those involved in the disturbances as criminals and preferred not to look at um, the reasons behind the riots. And perhaps what was lost in this rush was um, the initial sparks of the riots, the horrific de- deaths um, in both England and in France, which were somehow related to the police that could, in varying, varying degrees. Um, but following the riots in France, race was kind of openly debated in in public circles, which is, I think, unusual for France um, th- that race is discussed in those kind of ways. But um, discussions remained trapped in the kind of predictive, predictable ideological straitjackets of the dominant political views on minorities' incorporation into France. And I have read, and forgive me because I've not researched into um, the French rights um, a great deal, that a distinguished French historian was asked on. Um, primetime TV to um, comment on the uh, 2005 riots. And she said, I'm not surprised at all. How could young blacks coming directly from their African village adapt to the French way of life? And our research participants um, raised, David Starkey, I'm sure you all remember him. Another uh, notable British historian, his appearance on Newsnight is a clear example of media figures demonising black culture, well in this case, particularly Jamaican culture. But you know, literature has demonstrated, uh, time and time again, that these essential, essentialist assertions around black culture has re- replaced overtly racist ideologies as a dominant discourse of race and crime. And furthermore, you know, this paradigm of cultural difference is often coded along biological race lines. It seems that on both sides of the channel, um, the media-driven basis that dominated the so-called riots were stigmatised colour. And in the UK, the governments focus on gangs, um, absent fathers, gang culture. It's all inflected with elements of racialized discourse. Um, and one of our young researchers um, for the Rights Project explain- explained how this kind of link um, is made from the gang and, and, and race. And he said, now, the overwhelming opinion from our research was that not every black person is in a gang, but every gang has a black person. And so gangs are not a race neutral kind of term. And um, that's kind of what we found in our in our in our research and other research that the Running Trust done as well. Um, now there's just these two other things that I wanted to bring up in the presentation um, that kind of came out as quite significantly for black communities, and that's black Africans as well as black black and that's about having a stake in, in the community. And one academic that we spoke to in Lusham kind of raised an interesting point um, on the socio- socio-economic exclusion, noting that there seems to be a, a really significant shift occurring in terms of young black masculinities, that because there is no work, goods become so much more significant as a way of young men feeling mm. like they have some value. And the Ministry of Justice figures shows that, you know, those involved in civil disturbances came primarily from um, areas of higher levels of deprivation. And our the participants in our research linked those areas to the high number of black people living in those areas and also explored how regeneration can actually affect um, people having this kind of stake in the community. And they said that regeneration often comes in forms of exclusive, uneven development that can make these certain members of the black community feel disconnected and marginalised, and, you know, within their own communities. Um, and in 2009, Rani published a report called Why Does Assets Matter? And it kind of explores various lines of thought between the relationship between owning assets and citizenship, and we kind of a little bit touched upon that today. Um, and we had, um, during our round tables, examples of a d- divide between those um, that had investments in their local communities and those that did not. Um, and they, they kind of provide an explanation possibly of why so many young people kind of were so destructive towards their own communities, the, the businesses in their own areas. Um, and one senior youth worker in Birmingham that we spoke to said, tensions are there from 2005 when a lot of black youth said that they are just destroying the area because we don't own anything. We don't see many black businesses or shops. So um, that's, that's one point that I wanted to raise. Um, and the next one is a kind of the sense of hopelessness. Unemployment, particularly for black people, was cited during the, uh, round tables as a possible explanation for the civil disturbances. And we kind of know that in this, in this um, economic downturn, unemployment for black, and minority ethnic people are is at an all-time high, and um, roundtable participants continuously kind of talked about um, rising unemployment rates, rate. so as kind of having this feeling, leading to this feeling of despair and hopelessness. And when un- unemployment rises during recessions, it begins earlier among black um, groups. And as we come out of the recession, it takes longer for the um, employment rates to rise within those same black groups. So all these kind of feelings and tensions we heard about during our round tables. And lastly, I'm gonna quickly kind of go through the um, last point I wanna kind of make, which is incomplete policy policy solutions. So in the rush to condemn the riots, and the media and political elites were were kind of quite quick to conclude that these riots were not about race, they were not race riots. However, you know, the events around Mark, surrounding Mark Duggan's death clearly echo the similarities um, between the outbreaks of civil unrest in the 1980s. And, you know, the government inquiries following those, um, those um, uh, riots in the 1980s looked at race and racial inequality and racial injustice. However, this time around, there has been no government inquiry into the 2010 riots, the 2011 riots. And um, there has been an independent rights victims mm. and communities panel, yeah. um, which they uh, published the report in, in March 2012. And the government have actually responded to that. And, and they've said this government's clear ambition is to give power back to communities reform and join our public services and extend opportunities for young people. The Troubled Families Programme, I'm not sure if you know about this, mm-hmm. but will tackle some of the most entrenched social problems in our country by getting people off the streets, back into school and on the pathway to work. Now this response doesn't really address social inequalities, mm-hmm. let alone racial inequalities. I mean the term equality is derived by the public for being de- divisive. And Theresa May um, suggests that public bill feels that it concentrates too much on quality of outcome rather than quality of opportunity. Instead, the preferred term is fairness, which is completely unmeasurable. And <laughs> can't fair. Fairness is a, is a, well, you can define it in lots of different ways. But um, uh, a recent response by a government minister to a question of BME unemployment kind of reveals again how the government is thinking about these things. And he said, this government is moving beyond defining people simply because they have ticked a box on a form. Our approach is to support people according to their individual needs and circumstances rather than segregate people according to ethnicity, yeah. which basically means they're not going to have any targeted resources right. to um, viewing unemployment at all. And um, and i'll just end on a quote from um, one of our research participants um i think she i think it's a she she said one of the biggest problems we face as black communities is just how best to get justice without having to resort to violence and when we have been told as black communities with the slow rate of equality we will not begin to see equality until 2020. sorry 2150 that's not in our lifetime so i'll just end there